Danny Garcia bought the XFL this year with her ex-husband and longtime business partner, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and the private equity firm Redbird Capital. The deal makes Garcia a professional athlete in her own right, the first woman to own an equal or majority stake in a major pro sports league in the United States. Garcia now plans to reboot the XFL as a serious competitor to the NFL. Danny Garcia, chairwoman, founder, and CEO of the Garcia Companies, and new co-owner of the XFL. Thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Uh, I want to preface this interview with full disclosure that I have watched the XFL since I was a wee lad uh, back in 2001 when WWE founder Vince McMahon co-launched the league. And then, of course, when they relaunched uh, the league again here, I covered that for Yahoo Finance. They'll have my XFL a badge here uh, for field clearance, so that's important to point out. It holds a near and dear place in my heart, and as such, I'm going to be uh, asking uh, hard-hitting questions, extremely hard-hitting questions, which I think is only fitting for a league that was once referred to as the Extreme Football League, but appreciate you being here. Uh, so first up, let's talk about how you came to acquire the XFL out of bankruptcy, because it was your bid of $15 million for a league uh, that Vince McMahon had poured $200 million uh, into building before the pandemic brought it to its knees and eventually Chapter 11 bankruptcy back in April, uh, setting up the potential for what could be the greatest sports acquisitions of all time. So what made you and your partners uh, want to jump in on it? Well, like you, I had also seen the first iteration in 2001, a little bit differently uh, because I was involved with the WWE at that time in a different manner. But I was actually also like you, just as excited about the 2019-2020 relaunch and what they had put on the field. So, you know, when Vince had made this second attempt, um, I was wondering, I was like, you know, is there a little room for some partners? And uh, my hope was in the future there was some franchise opportunities. So I, I had literally had in my head, I love this iteration. I love the space. I love the opportunity that it gives for the athletes here uh, and was hoping there might be something in the future. Of course, COVID hit. Surprisingly, he went into bankruptcy with the XFL and um it was an easy decision. It was what I call a soul decision, right? I was very, very passionate about the prospects of what this league could be. And so we went to work to say, okay, we think there's a premise here. Can we go through the, get through the information, get through the bankruptcy and find the there there of the process? Um, I spent about two weeks on it myself with my executive team, a council, uh, feeling good enough to then make that call to DJ and say, hey, I have an idea. Let's do this. And he was on board. Um, and then we, you know, we spent the summer just getting into the numbers, getting into the deal, trying to put something together so we could, you know, go to the bid, win that bid, which we did. Yeah. And you say DJ, just so everyone's aware there, that would be Dwayne uh, The Rock Johnson, your ex-husband and business partner. And of course, your other partner here in Redbird Capital Partners being involved on the deal. But I mean, you're a very skilled businesswoman. I mean, the resume is phenomenal. And I, I think that's why I was so excited to get the chance to chat with you. But when you're talking about that, uh, obviously, there's never an easy deal. There's always risks here. And of course, the XFL uh, came to an abrupt end with the pandemic, just as all of sports did for a bit there. But even without that, there were questions about the viability of the league. Of course, uh, McMahon said he was prepared to lose money for a couple of years. 
uh, in the relaunch and the bankruptcy filings revealed some of the finances there that they generated $14 million in revenue through the first three and a half weeks of gameplay and posted a $44 million loss during that same period. But notably, Lee gave away TV rights for free to ESPN, Fox, and ABC. There was hope that eventually that payday would come. So now that it's proven capable of capturing millions of Americans and drawing those eyeballs, uh, what does the business model look like for you moving forward? Well, you know, right from the beginning, and Zach, you've done great homework. I so appreciate, you know, the league can't, it's a different, as we like to say, it's a different universe now for the league. You know, those five weeks actually did help to prove, um, and especially from the network and the media partners, they were able to see numbers and the actual, the actual ratings and the numbers exceeded expectations. Um, you know, there, I think there was probably a public perception of what it would do, but then there was in the industry, a realistic perception of could it outperform it? And it did, which was wonderful. So, you know, going forward, having media rights deals where there are no fees, uh, that's not the option that we're looking at. And in fact, we're in robust conversations with numerous partners and the representation is going to be, these are different deals and everyone's aware of them. And that's, you know, we have, like I said, we have five weeks underneath our belt to discuss, but I think just as importantly, it's the execution and the opportunities that new ownership brings to the interpretation of the XFL, which begins to change the business model. And if you're taking that point of view, you begin to see a lot of white spaces and there's more opportunities for revenue streams that we can lean into. So the business model, there's a traditional aspect because football is football, but at the same time, we've overlaid additional revenue streams, identified additional revenue opportunities, identified various ways to connect with all the participants that are around the XFL value change. So it's not just the fans, it's also the athletes, it's also our partners and our sponsorship partners. Uh, and when you think about where this league came from, I think that's a big question, what this iteration will look like compared to the 2020 iteration or the 2001 iteration, because if you go back to 2001, uh, DJ, The Rock was there at the LA debut and he was riling up the crowd talking about what the XFL represents versus what you get from the NFL that took a team away from Los Angeles. He was pretty forceful with that with that speech and that was his connection with the XFL. Of course, the McMahon uh, WWE connection as well. But when you think about that, what should people expect from this iteration of the XFL in terms of how it looks at the NFL as either a partner or a competitor? So I see ourselves as a cohort of the NFL. We are in the same, we're working in the same space, right? And we are interpreting the game slightly differently. It's We have a faster pace, obviously, a shorter time. We made, we will keep a number of the rule changes that were made in the 2020 season. We're actually going through a download now with players and our coaches to see what actually did work and what didn't work and if there were things that were a little bit rough. Um, you know, the, the access and the and the accessibility to the athletes, hearing the plays, seeing the reviews, you know, we had things in place that the audience you know, responded to in a major way. It was fascinating, you were in there and you felt like this brought you closer to the athlete on the field instead of, you know, distancing you. Because it has to be a quality of game, right? It's not about anti this or anti that, it's can we bring the best game possible? Can it be culturally relevant to our players and to our fans and to our partners. And that is a yes for us. 
Um, but in terms of working with the NFL, and maybe not looking at it necessarily as a competitor or a partner, but there is the question of viability when you have good players maybe moving on. We saw that with a couple even in 2020 uh, who moved on to the NFL, which is good. But in terms of capitalizing on that and the question of whether or not you can build and capture the upside if you have people tuning in to watch these players, how do you look at that as maybe, uh, I guess, a challenge or an opportunity moving forward with the league? You know what? I think, well, first of all, all challenges, and this is mindset, I think all challenges are opportunity. There's a, re you know, when you look at the XFL, you have to look at who are we in the next two to three years and who are we in the next three to five years and recognize that that's going to be a process and journey throughout the XFL execution, especially if we're looking at the next five and 10 years, we're going to be in a position where, yes, well, we have some transient players. And is that fantastic? Is that great for them? Can we still get the quality of play that we need, even if we may have a player for just a few years? Our premise is, yes, we absolutely can. Right? We know the number of football college eligible athletes coming out who will never play a game and never play it down professionally. And so we know that is very, very large. What we want to concentrate on is, and we get to do this a bit more because this is single ownership, right? When you have single ownership, you actually can culturally, culturally create a place where the athletes are excited to play, where there's an investment in who they are, where they are given the best opportunity, not only for their brand, but their performance, treated like stars, and most importantly, have their stories told. So, Right now, our concentration is to do a great job with who we have and the athletes we have today and build upon that because our salaries will increase. We will become more competitive, right, in success. But do we deliver something today at the price point that is viable, right, to make the XFL successful and sustainable? Can we deliver a package that is still competitive? And I think you look at those last first five weeks and you saw something very special there. You also, what's really interesting, and this is a little bit more psychological, when you look at the athletes that are coming to the XFL in the next year and a half, they all have something to prove. Every play matters. It's a little bit different than when you have a you know, $250 million contract or a $30 million per year contract, which is also amazing and fantastic. I want that for a lot of athletes. But there's a heart and a soul to the play you see because yeah. there's opportunity and possibility. And I think when we look at sports on the whole, we want to see that heart, right, if you're a fan of sports. So that's a really important intangible that lives within the XFL. But since you said, uh, you know, X in XFL right now stands for X, it brings to mind questions, too, about your own X here and what uh, DJ's role might be in the league. A lot of people have been speculating about what his role might be versus your role. Some people saying he should be in the booth talking about the games. Are, are you looking to maybe use his brand to bring some of that cachet back to the XFL here? What, what's the strategy around that? First, I've got to acknowledge the transition with the X. That was so masterfully done, Zach. <laughs> I love when people are so, and I also appreciate uh, when the public gets really vocal of how Dwayne should be used. So, you know, Dwayne is an owner, a co-owner with us, and obviously Redbird and Jerry Cardinal. So that element is, in fact, for us, we are extremely hands-on. And the XFL is a day-to-day -day process for me in particular. And right now, because we're filming Red Notice, it's an in-between scene process for DJ. But we have his schedule blocked out for the season, 
for each season so that we actually can be on the road and go to the game. So there's a real presence, not only from the corporate and storytelling, because even though everyone knows DJ is, you know, in front of the camera, he's actually an incredible producer and content producer. So, you know, he's also a former athlete. I'm a professional athlete. He's a former football player. He would be playing in the XFL if we went back so many years ago and that opportunity was there. So, you know, that interaction with the athletes, that representation, the interaction with the fans, making our games, our live games, an event, not just because you're watching the game, but what happens before, what happens in the booth, we actually plan on being extremely forward facing. So that'll be our loudest time. But we also have content that's happening throughout the year where you'll be hearing from the owners and we'll have transparency as to what we're doing. Dwayne will be involved in that as well. He's a very hands-on owner. Well, in terms of your role, I mean, beyond the decisions we've already described in trying to make the XFL successful in this iteration, you're also shattering the glass ceiling here, too, uh, becoming the first female equal or majority owner of a major sports league in the U.S. Uh, you've talked about the importance of that in representing unheard or unrepresented uh, voices in prior business endeavors. And with the league, you said uh, you expect it to be extremely vocal about normalizing equality and equalizing justice and patriotism is about expressing yourself. So talk to me about how important that is for, for an achievement, not just for you, but for a lot of those voices that we don't hear from in sports. We you know it's um, it's one of we talked a little bit about the intensity of getting to, you know, the, the point of bidding and auction and then getting the call. You have the XFL. So I have to tell you. It was that moment after the call where the enormity, first it was incredible joy, because this was, a, like I said, a soul decision, so I couldn't believe it was here, we had done it. But then it was a few days later when I began to recognize that through this process, I had made history. And that's, that's a very humbling moment, Zach, when you have this, you know, you are defining a period of time that never was. And so there is no, there is no, that was great. You know, it's not that. It's, it's the weight of it. You actually appreciate it. You feel the joy. But then you recognize that the decisions you need to make and should make going forward, you want to make them in a loud manner so that people can be inspired and learn and that you're carrying the responsibility. It's not just the moment. It's what do you do with that moment? So I feel the weight of it and I accept it. I think it's amazing. I don't think, you know, if you had asked me at 15, would you, Danny Garcia, want to own a sports league? I would have said, yes, absolutely. If you had said, and will you be, you know, do you want to make history? I, I would not be thinking in that process. But now that I have, I'm extremely grateful. I'm grateful that my expressions mean something to so many people. Danny Garcia, I can't thank you enough for the chat and uh, good luck with everything uh, out there. Thanks so much, Zach. It was a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you hopefully in person. <laughs> yeah, I, don't I don't think this will work down there at the games, but we'll see what happens here when we relaunch. Danny Garcia. <laughs> Thanks again. Thanks, Zach. That was great. All right. Awesome.